You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe, Vince, and Marty. October. We've got, of course, with me, Joe and Marty and Optimus Fine in the house. Nice to have you here. You're, I'm, I'm curious, at what point in your relationship with Allie did you realize, I'm never going to have a secret again? <laughs> My life seconds. is now on pretty, social pretty media. Much. <laughs> yeah, it, almost immediately. <laughs> Optimus Fine. I love that. we got to put that to music. Marty, make it happen. I mean... If, if nothing else, just uh, go right. go through my Twitter history and see how many times previous to three years ago you ever saw my face. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I mean, I, it gives whole new meaning to the word. You got the touch. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. We are going to be covering some of the council. Um, although when I say we, I mean Vince, because I had every intention <laughs> of getting caught up on the council. Then some motherfucker told me, hey, you know what? Magic the Gathering Arena is pretty good. <laughs> that's like telling an alcoholic that's trying to stop, you know that bottle over there? God damn, that tastes good. Fuck you. <laughs> so yeah, I've been mainly playing that. Well, that and, and racing. A little doom on the Listen, side. I, I understand. I sat down on the couch this morning just to knock out like my daily quest, and next thing I knew, four hours was gone. <laughs> it's well done. It's, um, but I mean, it's not reinventing the wheel. All it yeah, did it's, it's, was at the end of the day, it's still magic. Well, no, not just that, but I'm talking in terms of the online mechanic, the, mm-hmm. the again, playing it on your computer, uh, because they didn't always do well by that. And this has got a lot of elements that I've seen in, in other TCGs that again, they, they took what works and they really stripped a lot of the shit that didn't need to be there that, overcomplicated things or just kind of slowed the game down. So uh, I found that it was very fast moving once you were in. I would have liked some form of AI you can play offline kind of thing that it doesn't Mm -hmm. all have to be PvP. But I've never had to wait more than 20 seconds for a game. You don't have to put up with anybody being rude because all they can do is use the little press your icon to six five or six canned phrases and you can even mute them if you want so so i haven't had any problems at all with that the decks are well it's magic so it plays just like magic always has it's got a few little tweaks but no it's been again a ton of fun and i haven't spent any actual money i just use the gems and shit that you or the mm-hmm. goal you get in game yeah i mean as somebody who's always been like very interested in magic but never like really played much outside of like casually like oh yeah have a friend's house here you know here's another deck play against me because i never wanted to invest the amount of money into it and this has been great like i've played i couldn't tell you how many hours and again just like you without spending a penny i can get a couple booster packs a day easily with the daily quests and i was i was like what really like put the light bulb above my head is like wow this is actually like a lot better than i thought was I hadn't played in a couple days. Uh, like, but this was the day I sent you the message to try it. 
So I was like, oh, I missed my dailies. I came back. No, no, the daily stack. I don't know if there's a max, but I had three days worth of dailies waiting for me. And that was that right there was enough gold to buy three booster packs almost. Yeah, they're learning. They're learning from Hearthstone and WoW on that one. Like that's somebody at Wizards was was talking with somebody at Blizzard. Mm hmm. That's totally their their MO with and then, like it's it's still an open beta. There's a lot that they're tweaking and figuring out. Like, for example, like when it first went into open beta, uh, the way it works is like you can get as soon as you start, you get the five mono color decks and then each day you can unlock a dual color deck. But you only got five out of the 10 possibilities. And people were a little upset about that because it was, you know, RNG predetermined which decks you were going to get. So, like, b basically, by the time people were hitting that last day of the quests, they'd gone in and said, okay, no, after you get that fifth deck, you get another quest to unlock all of the other five. So here you go. So they're, they're really responding to the community, which I like. I, 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 did, I did not spend money, but I can very easily foresee a time when I will. Not a fortune, but once again, I don't have a problem supporting a free-to-play mm -hmm. game that's done in such a way that I really don't have to buy if I don't want to. But I came very close to buying some packs there because I was having fun. And, like, as opposed to you, I I played a lot of this game, but I, I played with just my, my eldest son at the time. So it's not like I played, like, against a whole bunch of people. Mm -hmm. But he was good. He was smart in how he played. And, uh, and he had a multitude of decks as well. And we played almost every night together and some of our games would last like overnight we'd have to leave the cards on the table and we'd eat our meals downstairs like at the the little table by the couch um so it's it's a game that if you adore it that much the deck building is so much fun the deck building becomes something that is spectacularly fun because now you're thinking about all of the different counters the different uh stuff that you can your combos to go against your your various classes that you'd go up against all of this shit so again it, it does that all very well in here too like i made a number of decks i had no problems it was very intuitive and i like that they they treat you like you're an idiot too in terms of the land they look at what you've got and say <laughs> here's how much land you'd need and it's like i don't know if you can change it but i haven't bothered i mean oh, yeah, you can but it's i've learned the hard way not to yeah so it's it, like oh i could get away with two less lands no i can't yeah, it, it does everything very well. And as opposed to Hex, which I still adore, but even I'll look at Hex and go, it's not that I have a problem with it, but I can certainly see how it would be a lot more intimidating to people who aren't as used to, to TCGs. Whereas with this, I would tell anybody to pick this up. You, it's like a child can play this and get it. And then as you progress and you get the to understand the synergy between the cards, you can build your own decks. You can have a blast. So yeah, this it's, it's right where it needs to be as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And I'm, I'm very interested to see what they do as they continue development on out of beta. Yeah. Okay. Sticking with cards, Joe, you found this throne breaker. Throne breaker is uh, an interesting thing that when I saw this, I immediately thought, wow, this is, this is very much a Roger game. Uh, <laughs> so it's from CD Projekt Red, and it was originally, and I thought this was one of the more interesting parts, 
started as a sub game of Gwent. Uh, Gwent, which is the card game found in the Witcher series. Uh, you can read about it in the books. That's also present in the games. It spawned its own standalone game uh, as well, which is very good as far as I'm concerned. I think it's a great game. Uh, so then they wanted to make this little sub game and then it grew and it grew and it became not just a card game, but an RPG that uses the card game to resolve all of its actions and things like that, which is, is pretty cool. So you take over the role of one of the lesser characters from the book. Uh, but if you've played the games, you'll, you'll know her. It's queen. Uh, it's uh, Maeve queen of Lyria uh, and also Rivia. So you essentially are making determinations on what's going to happen as the role of the monarch of this area uh, of these lands uh, in a 2d ish sort of adventure. And the interesting thing we talk about these a lot is not only can you build your deck and go to your encounters and do do your fights like you would expect to see that we've seen with hacks, we've seen with some other games, but your outcomes and decisions for where you go, what you do, whether you win or lose all have an impact on how the game resolves. So this isn't like a simple quick campaign either. They're expecting 20 to 40 hours of gameplay to finish a campaign. That was impressive. That is super impressive. Yeah, I was um, impressed with that. And then so you, you make your way through the campaign through this like adventure game, visual novel style type setup. But there are 20 end states that you can possibly reach as you play the game through your decision making and the outcomes of your battles and choices. That's really fucking cool. More than just a little, I was going to say, like there's there's enough good that has nothing to do with the actual card game that is reason for me to want to play this game. Because like I said before, Gwent, in all honesty, I played it. I was not as crazy about it as you guys were. I point blank at points just did not like it even. So like I have not been playing it. So when I looked at this, I thought, yeah, but it's Gwent and I probably won't enjoy it as much. But then I was watching how it's integrated into the story and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, well that's, that's better. Plus it's finite. You're just playing it for this campaign kind of stuff. And then when they started showing more of what, uh, like the rest of the game is, then it was like, okay, well, yeah, then fuck, I don't care if it's Gwent. This sounds fucking amazing. Yeah. And, and they, it's, open world ish as well, which is something to make note of. There are five 2d maps and areas that you can explore, uh, where you can discover new cards to add to your deck, new encounters. And the interesting thing is because when you play Gwent, every card you play represents a character from history. So it's not like just random things. Like it's not like I cast a Minotaur. No, these are like Kings and Queens and nobles, uh, famous heroes, soldiers, things like that. Those are what make up the decks of Gwent. Uh, yes, there are monsters and things like that as well. Uh, but so here, as you wander around and encounter people and things, you incorporate them into your deck, which I think is really, really cool. Uh, it rewards you for essentially walking around and sort of just kind of exploring in a way that feels both natural to the game world and Gwent as a card game. Uh, now, the one thing that I, the reviewer at the time did note is that uh, the very first parts of the game are very story light. So the first hour or so of the game 
And that's because they spent a lot of time tutorializing navigation as well as actually how to play Gwent because they are going to assume that some people come into this game never have played it before or don't know what it, how to play the game, even if they are aware of it. Because uh, you can play the Witcher games and never have played a game of Gwent. It, except for three, I think that's a core quest. But it, it's it's cool. And like this is the type of stuff I like because it's, it's crossing genres, at least three here. It's doing something unique. It's just, it's fun. It's something that is really interesting and fun. And I'm excited for it. Yep, it does look good. So again, we'll, when's that coming out? Do you remember? I think it's October 23rd. Yeah, October 23rd. So it's going to be out real soon. Real soon. Jeez, yeah. I thought I I knew it was soon-ish, but I didn't realize we were talking like weeks. Yeah. And 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 honestly, even if you're not like a fan of uh The Witcher for whatever reason, uh check this out, especially if you like card games, you might find something that is to your liking here. So, and, hey, it's worth a try. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right, let's move on to the council. Vince, you are up. All right, so I think at this point I can confidently say, Roger, don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This makes up for Magic the Gathering, then. Uh, while I still found plenty uh, plenty of this to be enjoyable, I know you, don't bother. All right, well, be- you realize you're going to have to explain that throughout yes. your little thing, yes. Uh, to begin with, episode four is by far the most rushed episode. Uh, there were points where I w- I thought Louis was just like talking to himself in a conversation until I realized, no, they just didn't animate his face. Like, there, there were multiple like conversation scenes where the characters were essentially just Muppets standing there jiggling around oddly while talking to each other without moving their mouths or their heads. Damn. Yeah. It, and I, it's hard to do episodic content. I mean, just ask telltale. And with this essentially being the too soon, first, too soon <laughs> with this essentially being the studio's first game, they, they're, they're not up to the task. Uh, technically the, the, the cracks that we're showing in earlier episodes are full blown chasms in this one. Well, the I have a theory there on the that. first one, yeah. Uh, go ahead. So this is a. I was talking with somebody earlier about this today, and we could probably go on a wild tangent about it. And I'm I'm sure I'm going to want to bring this up a little bit later. But there's this thing happening where these particular type of games and these companies that are trying to do like very story driven games are entering these hellacious crunch periods mm-hmm. and running their employees hundred hour work weeks. And this is the result that winds up happening when you do that. So, like, the council seemed like a really cool idea. We were all on board for it. We all really dug it. And then as you guys were, you know, getting through further and further, like you said, the cracks were showing in the first one, which is to be expected. When we see a new game like this from a new studio that's sort of making their own tools or doing their own thing, we expect that there's going to be, like, cracks. There's going to be little bumps in the road. But the fact that, like, the subsequent episodes are getting worse and worse and worse in terms of that, like those cracks becoming chasms, as you said, like, that's indicative of a company not taking its fucking time to produce a quality product and rushing, whether it's at their own behest, behest of management, 
uh, or behest of the purse holders. And that fucking sucks because I really wanted this to be good and cool. I really fucking did. <sighs> and despite the, the issues we've had with this particular series, I hope that they can kind of refocus and figure their shit out. Because as we said in our discussion about episode one, the core concept from a gameplay standpoint is something very unique and deserving of future iterations. And I, I hope we can get that without all, all the all the, the drawbacks that we've seen thus far with the council. But moving on, uh, God, where did we leave off in the story? <laughs> there was the uh, the whole Louisiana purchase thing. People were dying. Mother uh, twin thing. Yeah, Emily. Uh, well, no, uh, Louis's mom had shot Emily's twin sister. Uh, oh yeah, the 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 secret, the secret uh, vault underneath the mansion, with uh, the crazy chop off your hand puzzle. Um, was not expecting a, essentially an antediluvian city catacomb underneath the mansion i oh, for fuck's sake. yeah it's uh, they they definitely went off the deep end um a lot of the early parts of this episode were a lot of what i disliked about episode two where it was essentially just a lot of aimless wandering around to get the particular information you needed to solve the puzzle uh, again it wasn't very entertaining uh, it was essentially just, okay, who do I need to talk to? What books do I need to read? Okay, this is the facts. Now I know which particular item to pick up. It was slow. It was not interesting. I was not a fan. I'll go you one further than that. And I don't know if you felt the same way. Um, it, you're playing it on PC or on console? PS4. Okay. I don't know if it's the same then for you, but what I'm finding is that the movement is very unnatural and to the point of also at points feeling like again nauseating even especially when you're running and turning around so like that second episode where you had to also be running all over the fucking place to find where you're supposed to go i found that because of all the corners you're turning and everything and because it doesn't handle well it was actually making me nauseous uh, i haven't had the nausea but i can certainly uh get on board with the uh running into corners because it's it's right. not the most he's not the most mobile of people new no, new no. so uh long story short you're trying to find uh the spear of destiny the lance of longinus uh the fabled relic that pierced the side of jesus and has uh phenomenal cosmic powers and as your mom understands is capable of killing the demons which we're still on that thing lord mortimer is an actual demon oh like actual it's not like up for grabs in the gray no he's literal demon well that that's what mom believes oh. and so like okay let's just get on with this and get off this crazy fucking island you're beat up, you're bleeding, you're missing a hand. Jesus Christ, lady, let's get this shit together. So as you're sneaking this priceless ancient artifact out of the mansion, there's the ominous scene of uh, Professor Mortimer, Mortimer, Professor Mortimer, uh, Mortimer uh, in the, the main study fireplace room with all of his weird Hellfire Club guards standing around. Uh, and he wants to have a conversation with Louis. I was like, oh boy. 
and this marks this is where this is where it would have completely lost you, Roger. Spoiler alert. He actually is a demon. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not a biblical demon, but yes, some sort of uh, ancient uh, non-corporeal race capable of uh, inhabiting mortal bodies. And they've been around since and forever. He chose and have... that one? <laughs> <laughs> It's it's been a very convenient. He's been using it for several hundred years. Jesus. But um yeah, the going on and on and something I knew was coming but didn't <laughs> I knew that this was the plot point they were going to, but it definitely cast it in a different light with the whole no no we're actually demons thing is that Louis is Mortimer's son. And the the story of the baby that uh, mom had saved from the dying woman and wherever the hell they were. Like, as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, yeah, that was Louis. Louis's not not her actual son. Yes, Louis was not her actual son. Uh, He's Mortimer's son. And that means Louis himself is also a demon. So when this reveal was made, was there the classic da-da-da? Because otherwise... It it was... incredibly dramatic but ruined by the aforementioned muppet head syndrome (laughs) uh and and now this is where they start bringing in new gameplay wrinkles of mortimer is teaching louis to use his demon powers uh you're now given like a second uh resource to manage where now in conversations you can read people's minds which is cool and it's a nice new wrinkle that they're adding into the the dialogue system because it was for me it was reaching a point where like all right i've already maxed out several skills i've got so much effort that like the the dialogue stuff was not as interesting as it was before just because i could breeze through it and like brute force my way with all my skills and items and whatnot so this adds a new wrinkle on top of that that i do appreciate that they continue to evolve the gameplay just in such a weird fucking way so he lets me carry on my business. Uh, he knows mom's waiting for me at the dock. You better go talk to her about this whole you're not her real son thing. I get out to the dock. Mom's fucking dead. Emily killed her because she killed Emily's sister. And yeah, and it was just like it was a brief scene of like, what the fuck's going on? I told Emily to get out of there, cut to the next morning like nothing had happened. This is, again, those production issues we were getting into. With Mortimer telling me, oh, yes, uh, it's good that you're no longer under the control of my sister. So there is an entire plot point of Louis' mom being Mortimer's sister, a demon herself, that got completely lost in some sort of development problem that I missed that conversation and had to catch up to it later through one line of dialogue. The fuck? Yes. Oh, that sounds amazingly bad. It's it. Yes. Yes. Wait, are you sure like, that it was a conversation that you missed or just that they screwed up and didn't even put it in there? All I know is one minute I'm on the dock crying over my adopted mother's dead body. The next minute of like actual in-game time, I'm back talking to Mortimer and he said, at least now you're no longer under my sister's control. 
I'm betting you that was cool. never in there. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Yeah, so... If one of you guys would like to play and tell me what your experience is. Nope. No, I'd rather, like, stick my balls in a blender. Mm -hmm. so I will I, get drunk and play it one day if you really, really... I, you know what? <laughs> I encourage it. Did you already pay for it? Because that'll help continue with that uh, I only paid for the first one. Okay, then you're never. off the hook. Yeah. I paid for the full fucking thing. <laughs> well, what, was, what I did was I paid for the first episode and I enjoyed what we saw in the first episode so much. I then paid for all the rest. Man. Uh, so then the game goes into like an interesting sort of thing then about it gets interesting. No, 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 no. <laughs> the next part of the story involves uh, essentially Louis with Mortimer and Samuel Horn home, Samuel home who is also a demon and is Mortimer's brother. And going to this whole thing about, yes, uh, there's like seven demon families that have been around forever. Their what family the is one of the fuck? most powerful. They control global politics and this and that. And it becomes about what, what does Louis want his, his role to be? Does he want to accept his demonhood? Does he want to ignore it and still live as a human? Does he want to side with his father or go with the rest of the family? And like all this shit. And I was like, you know what? We've reached the point where logic and subtlety no longer exist. So I just went, sure, I'm a fucking demon. Let's go possess people, read people's minds. I'm I'm all in. I just dove in with the gameplay of like, all right, if you're giving me this crazy, stupid shit, I'm going to okay. at least see where I'm just at least going to see how far down this <laughs> rabbit hole we can go. Not to defend these developers, but don't you put their bad gameplay and bad story as the blame for you choosing the darkest fucking path that involves that's, genocide of a people don't you why, put that no, no, on no, them no, motherfucker there's, there's no genocide there's no genocide whatsoever as a matter of fact mortimer's plans are more for uplifting humanity whereas the rest of the family wants to keep them constrained uh that's why mortimer is supporting america and democracy and stuff like there's there's a lot of nuance here but it's just one of those things where, you know me, I love crazy, stupid shit, and I'll just grab a hold of it and run with it, and I'm happy with that. It's like, I enjoyed it, not because it was good, but because it was that special kind of stupid that I adore. And there is, I, I do have to say, there is one incredibly clever puzzle in this episode. Uh, long story short, you possess, you possess the Cardinal, and have to write a letter to the Pope. And it's, it's a matter of, okay, reading and figuring out, okay, how do you want to phrase things? How should you sign the letter? What seal should you use? And the secret code you have to put at the bottom. And all you're given with the secret code is two other letters to look at. And I, no lie, I spent a solid half hour on my couch staring at this, staring at my screen, trying to figure out this puzzle because I knew it was something I could figure out. And... It had to do with like the tattoo that the Cardinal had on his hand, which was also kind of funny because he's an old man. So it's wrinkly and you couldn't see parts of what the actual tattoo was supposed to correlate to it. For me, it was a very satisfying gameplay thing because it was a very well-designed puzzle that I had a lot of personal satisfaction once I successfully figured it out. So despite all the so problems, one thing, right? <laughs> despite all the problems that we've talked about, 
for the most part, the 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 Bible puzzle in episode two aside, a lot of the the actual puzzle solving in in this series has been pretty top notch throughout. I have to give them credit for that. Yeah, I didn't mind the statues one. It took oh, me. Oh no, the the, the, the Medusa one was right. cool. No, I'm yeah, talking the, about the one, the one with the uh, the light shining off of the shield and stuff like that. Yeah, that was the Medusa puzzle. Was it? Oh, yes, it was. You're right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, the the, the other one in episode two that you didn't get to, the garden puzzle, I liked. Uh, the the final puzzle in episode three was a lot of fun. So like, there there's still some very good, very creative developers at work there. So that's that's one of the reasons I want to see them continue with this under better circumstances because the writing at this point is laughable. Uh, the the animation and technical issues are mounting up, but there's still a core of a solid game in here that I I would like to see them improve on down the road. Which is highly unlikely. I cannot imagine they're doing that well in sales with this game. I have no idea. Yeah. Oh well, moving on. Marty, you had started talking about Solaris this week last week. Well, go ahead. Okay, so. Let's talk about the other addiction in my life, that being Stellaris. Uh, the two point two patch. You say the other like any of the other ones matter to you. <laughs> well, like I can go, I can go a couple of days without a fix of Stellaris. Like you know, and in fact, I haven't played it in about a week. Um, but you know, I got home from my trip to DC and I got to play Destiny right away. So, you know, there's that. Anyway. Uh, Stellaris's 2.2 patch is coming. Uh, it, when it's, we don't know when, but we do know it will be gigantic. And the amount of story elements and story hooks that are going on in this game are unbelievable. Uh, the mechanically, I'll go with those things first because this is um, basic kind of stuff that will help modders do cooler stuff with their mods. An, an entire economy rework so that everything is scriptable. So right now it's about 50-50, but soon everything will be scriptable. So you can change up how, I don't know, how food plays into the game, if you really, which, which they're doing, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, this is important because there are so many cool story packs. There's a 40K story pack. There's a Star Wars story pack. There's an amazing Star Trek story pack where you just like every you get an era of ships like you can get somehow you get the the original Enterprise flying around with the USS Defiant. You can do it. Uh, that kind of isn't my kind of trek, but would be fun as all hell to have like a fleet of Defiance. But I digress. Uh, we're getting also a new rework of traditions so that every there's things called the traditions trees where you focus in on specific aspects of a society, uh, whether it's the diplomacy slash uh, yeah, the diplomacy or federation wing, the science or discovery wing dominion, where it's all about control uh, harmony, which is all about internal populace and getting well balanced and capitalism or uh, prosperity. Cause there's a lot of, economic references throughout this entire patch. Uh, we're also getting uh, Roble, Roble Nobots, Noble Robots. Um, please, that's why I mixed up those first two letters. 
because they made a mistake while trying to figure something out and they ended up with getting robots who are noble so they're keeping them which i don't think is necessarily a reference to the amazing comic saga but i'm going to take it as one uh there will be new flag emblems new text new dialogue new events that happen uh and uh there will be also an addition of uh, a quality measurement within the society. Um, the, and uh, if there is an, if there's an unequal society, you may or may not have to worry about the happiness of your people. Uh, there is a darker side of Stellaris uh, where I have never played a game as where you can be an authoritarian, you can be a slaving society and there's some aspect of this that's also getting a rework. So you can play an authoritarian that is not a slaver, finally, I guess. Both things um, are too soon for me, so I'm not playing that shit. Uh, there's also an increase in standards of living, new kinds of items to be traded. It, basically, 2.2 should, in, like from what I'm reading, all of these new features, some of which are mechanical, some are story-based, it feels like a, a full-on 3.0 patch, um, which is amazing because like 2.0 just came out late last uh, late last year, early this year. So it's there is just so much going on, including changing how colony ships are built so that they take food instead of just just straight up minerals, and uh, you can have like uh, city planets, ecumenopolis, ecumenopoli. So. <laughs> Right? <laughs> I think that's the word. See, you're saying that, and all I'm thinking about is like the SNL skit about Dana Kyrie going, Chopin Broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one last thing uh, trade routes and trade markets. Like in 2.0, they introduced the concept of the market, but now they're expanding it so that there are third party traders doing more stuff and actual now trade routes between planets that can be attacked by pirates. So you have to assign ships to protect them uh which is pretty awesome so there's just a huge rework of behind the scenes of how everything in this game is coming it down so it sounds like it's going to be just like a 3.0 patch but they're just calling it 2.2 you gotta give them a lot of props though because they do a, they've done a ton of post-development on this game and everything that you keep seeing is, from what I have seen at least, fairly well received by the community. And they appear to listen to their community as well. So this is yeah. very cool. Yeah, they're really community focused and they're talking a lot about who can. and like They're trying to get everybody involved and make it a fun game for everybody. And the fact that there are so many different ways to play, and I pretty much keep playing the same versions of the thing i'm never i'm never gonna play a slaver vince if you wanted to play <laughs> stellaris i guess that's what you would end up doing it's uh, a valid economic strategy okay and then you can make your planet crushing devices which i, I, listen, I have listen, made those marty how many yeah. games of stellaris have you won three okay out, out, of, of, out of how many hundreds of hours that i've played just saying you might want to explore alternate uh strategy no I'd, I'd, I'd rather, no. Uh, oh, there's also a te the teasing of communist snails. There's an alien race where you're like agrarian snails, and now they're going to be communists too. So 
Would you slave Hooray, those? Communism. Would you slave those? No, but they, in one game I played, they were slavers. <laughs> and they came at me, and I crushed them because, <laughs> no. So, it's, it, there's, oh my goodness, there's just, oh, I forgot. There is a, there's one more thing which I find really fascinating. They're adding a job, they're adding jobs to the economy. So, it's not so um, abstract anymore. There's like, you have entertainers and producers and farmers and whatnot. So you can have literally robot noble entertainers who are unemployed and contribute nothing to society, which I think is really funny. Alrighty then. And with that, we were going to call it a wrap for tonight. Shorter episode, but we didn't have quite as many games to talk about. Thank you for joining us. You can find the show notes at ForTheLore.com, and you can find us on Twitter at ForTheLore. Individually, Joe is Loaders at J, Vince is Simodian, Marty is Officer Gleason, and you can leave us your comments also on iTunes and Stitcher. And with that, we will see you guys next week. Never in the Thank you for listening to For The Lore. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince, a movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as Lore Watch, a Blizzard lore podcast co-starring Joe. And if you're into comic books, check out All Comics Considered with Marty and his crew. Lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. You can find him at ManelliJamal.com as well as on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs. <laughs>